Mr. Madison. Christian Ministry Podcast. Are you ready for some Jesus? Is that no? That's not good. I'm sorry. I was trying to get. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I was trying to catch him while he was dancing. So he was dancing in the uh, waiting room. What is it like the green room? Um, and he was getting it. Yeah. He was over there talking about like this number, and I was like, oh, ooh, ooh, I gotta bring him in. <laughs> and he stopped dancing. So I'm and then in a little creepy box. Like, come on, bud, dance again. Let me get close. And then he stopped like, hitting me. Uh, what is Jesus, up, everybody? Welcome, welcome back to the to the podcast. We are live on uh, TikTok. We are live on YouTube. Uh, if you want to join in on the conversation and see the Bible on screen, which today, today's the good. Let me just say, if there's ever an episode that you want to be on here where you can go through the scriptures with us, t- today's one of those episodes. I'm just gonna say. So, for all of you here on YouTube or Facebook with us, uh, we appreciate you being here. Amen, 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 amen. And absolutely, you you hit the nail on the head. If you are on TikTok right now and you can hear me, come on over, come on over, baby. (laughs) Somebody clip it right now. I know there's somebody out there clipping all these and they're going to put together a collage, wink, wink, if you're not already working on this, of of JD just being JD. Um, Yes, we also want on Facebook, Lance. Uh, we go live. Yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. Please remember to like and subscribe. I was going through the YouTube again this week, and of all the viewers we have, like only 30% of you are, are subscribing, subscribing. So please uh, like and subscribe, um, and let's let's get uh, let's get the word of God out there. Good to be back. It is a new year. Uh, Mike and I are trying to find our focus, so we will get into the Bible reading again uh, soon. Um, it's it's just been chaotic and all over the place. But praise Jesus, we're back um, with yet another episode. So this is awesome. My, Mad Mike's got a, a, a JD folder. Absolutely. I've got a Mad Mike folder, so it's all good. I've got one on YouTube, bro. So, wow, that's dark. That's scary. I'm, trying, I'm jealous that yours, <laughs> your, your screen is so bright and mine's not. So, like, I'm over here playing with my settings. Like, why can't I be that bright? I want people to see. I'm using. I'm using the ring light. I'm using the ring light. I have a. Well, I'm not fancy like you. I have like those old school like 
uh, desk lamps. And I just got it bent towards me. But I got a pretty bright light bulb in there. So, I mean, um, I'm bright over <laughs> here. When I use a different camera, I'm I'm fully on bright. But it's it's this right here, this this computer. Yeah, it, it, because we use Stream Streamlab, which let me or StreamYard. Let me just say, I, I do like this service that we use. It allows us to push the stream everywhere. Uh, but to be completely honest with you, I am looking into different p platforms uh, because the minute I try to add on like another camera uh, or something like that, it just a lot of issues start coming up. And it's not our computers; it's the service. So I will be looking for something new for you guys. It'll be the same. It'll be on YouTube. All right, so. Let's talk about what today's episode is. So if you see it up there, it says soteriology and the gospel. So soteriology, uh, in case you're not aware, is the study of salvation of how you're saved, right? So um, the gospel is a major part of that. That's why we have soteri soteriology and the gospel. Uh, but how would you explain soteriology in layman terms? Well... First of all, when it comes to soteriology and, and any other doctrines for that matter, it's, it's, it all comes down to how we read the Bible. And um, what we've seen with, with, with Muslims, with Jehovah's Witnesses, with Mormons, they read the Bible and figured it can't be this way. There's got to be more to it. So um, let's, let's, add, let's add to what's already been written. Um, and when it comes to soteriology, your soteriology is going to be mixed up if your Christology is is mixed up. And why do these two go hand in hand? If you if you're asking me for a, a definition of soteriology, the doctrines of salvation, and Christology being the doctrines of Christ. So if you um, deny that Christ Jesus is the eternally begotten Son, if you deny Christ is God incarnate, if you deny Jesus Christ and the Father are one, you're already going to have a massive problem when it comes to the doctrines of soteriology. And this is what we see with the uh, Torah observer group. They still think that they've got to keep 613 ordinances, which are impossible to keep. Um, and, and we've said this before, even if it were, even if there was a temple, it would still not it would still not be possible for them to keep the law. And this is what Jesus Christ puts emphasis on. So, again, understanding who Jesus is will, will open up your eyes to how you are to get saved and what you are to do to get saved. So when Mark and I speak about soteriology and the gospel, we're basically saying the gospel and the gospel. Um, this is the good news and the good news. So um, if, we, if we're going to define soteriology, this is, these are the doctrines of your salvation. You get any of these wrong and you've got a big problem. You've got a big problem. So uh, to everybody that's new here, we're so glad to have you um, because today, 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, today is the day of salvation. Mike and I love to quote that verse. Um, and if this is your first time here, we pray that the, that the scriptures that are read tonight will, will penetrate your heart and that you will come to um, a repented state where you go from unbelief to belief and that God will work on your heart. So Yes, you do need a pen, Selena. We're going through a lot of scriptures tonight. Mike and I, uh, contrary to what we've been accused of doing, <laughs> um, uh, we do everything biblically. We, we exegete the text. 
using the correct hermeneutics for exegeting the text and we present it to you what does the bible actually say about certain passages that's the question we receive as christians all the time what does this mean and and this is by god's grace what we try and do on this podcast so yeah glory to god amen so uh, this is going along as well with what we've been kind of aiming at this year, right? So this year we were talking about, we're going to make this year about going back to the basics, focusing on every day, focusing on today, uh, uh, presenting who Jesus is to people. And here's the big one, like JD said, soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. Like this is one of those things that actually matters, right? And I'm talking about when it comes to your salvation, you know, we talk about it all the time about like, you know, these things are secondary issues, et cetera, et cetera. No, not this. Um, so we actually did a talk on soteriology. I think it was like, uh, man, it's out of like a year six ago. months ago. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but we, I still have what we typed up uh, for that to, dis- to to describe what the doctrine of soteriology is that we believe the doctor of salvation, uh, doctrine of salvation. So I'm going to put it on screen. And for those that have never seen it, you've never seen it. Um, let me see if I can. I think that's big enough. I don't know. Some people might be watching us on a little screen, so that's as big as I want to make it, though. So here's what we have, and and JD and I have went through this before. We've talked about it on the air, on air. So this is not changed as far as I know, unless JD met somebody with long hair and wear sandals, and he's been indoctrinated into something else. Then I'm pretty sure we're still here. The doctrine of salvation, soteriology, rests on the following fundamentals. So this is what the true Christian ministry um, holds to. Oh my goodness, JD, I'm going to mute you because you're rain. I love you though. Okay, I'll mute myself. I'll mute myself. All right. Ooh, look at that. It's nice and quiet now. Number one, the need for salvation is the fact that in sight of an absolute holy and righteous God, all persons are sinners. Some of these references are uh, right here on screen. I wonder if I click on it. If it, oh, cool. I don't have to actually open it. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Oh, you can't see it on your side. So on my side, when I hover over it, it tells me what that verse is. So Psalm 51, 5. Psalm 58, 3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. Habakkuk 1, 13. Who, you who are the purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? And then Romans 3, 9 is a major one as well that says, uh, well, we know all about no, Romans 3. No one is righteous. No one is, uh, uh, no one seeks God. No one uh, does good. Um, and he goes on <laughs> a tirade on, on that one, Romans 3. So that's number one. And, and why is number one so important? Because number one is why the rest of them are important to me. Number one is the reason why I need number two through six. Because number one immediately starts it off by I'm guilty. It starts by saying you are not worthy of salvation. You don't deserve salvation because you have broken your relationship with God. You have turned from God. You have rebelled from God. So number one is major. This is also why you cannot preach the gospel without preaching about sin and God's wrath. You can't, because why would anybody care about two through six if they don't realize number one is true? Number two, the basis of salvation in every age is the death of Christ. I hope everybody that at least has been following us for a little bit understands that, that 
there is no separate salvation. You know, some newer Christians might think, and I'm JD, I'm sure you've heard this a lot. What about the people before Jesus came? And I've heard lies and maybe not on purpose, but responses like, well, the law and this, I've heard people try and just answer it. No, we know in Romans three specifically, uh, I, I, I like to go there. Whom put for, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. So God knew that what He had prophesied will come to pass. Because, oops, what did I just do? My bad. God, when God speaks, it will come to pass. So if God says, I will do this and I will pay for your sins, then him not punishing them at death isn't him not keeping his word because he knows the payment is coming. And this is why Abraham's bosom was created for those that have a down payment coming that, that basically God knows I will save, but Christ hasn't done it yet. So therefore they got to go there. Number three. The means of salvation in every age is the grace of an all-merciful God. So, I mean, the very reason that you're even allowed to get this, the reason why salvation is even a discussion is that God offers grace. Without it, you don't deserve it. Um, the requirement for salvation in every age is faith, not works. I think Romans 4 is the best one, the uh, best place to go for here, um, at least in my opinion. I'm sure JD's got something uh, that he could probably bring to the table on this. Why is it? There we go. So what did they have faith in? So let's read right here, starting at verse 18. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, which God promised him, right? As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in the faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Prior to Christ, people were saved by trusting God will do what he promised. People after Christ now are saved because we trust in the promise that came, and that's Jesus Christ. And if at any point you need to jump in, J.D., let me know. Um, Amen. And then the Galatians, Galatians chapter two as well, before you move on. Galatians chapter two as well. It's, it's, it's just why am I going to Galatians chapter two? Because for, for anyone that claims that the law saved at any point, um, we, we see it very, very clearly. Yeah. Justified by faith there. You go up a bit and, and here he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ. So also we have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ. What do we always say? Faith alone in Christ alone and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Come again. No one will be justified. So that's just what I wanted to point out there that uh, again, when we see justification, justification comes by the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Amen. And what he just said made me think about Romans three immediately when it says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law 
or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overcome the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And this goes into what he's going to explain in Romans 8 with Christ fulfilling the law inside of us. Uh, but we will continue first in the, finishing this off. So we so far, what do we have? We A reason why we need salvation, we are all sinners. The basis on salvation is Jesus's blood. No matter what age it is, that's what actually does the saving. The means at which we get access to that is the grace of God. And the requirement of that uh, for that is faith. And this is literally Ephesians 2, that you ever that you are saved by grace through faith, right? Your faith gives you access to the grace. The grace gives you access to the sacrifice. Now, this next one is what is really what I think a lot of people don't realize. I think everybody kind of understands the first four. Number five says the object of that faith in every age is God. And this rolls with number six. And the content of that faith changes according to progressive revelation. So what do we mean by that? Um, Obviously, Abraham only knew that he was promised. Uh, what do we just read in Romans 4? He didn't waver in his faith that God will keep his promise. And that promise was that he will make him a nation. Well, Moses gets a little bit more promises. That revelation comes more. Someone's coming after you and he's going to be like this. So now he knows that he's trusting God, that not only will he take care of Israel, but someone's coming. Right. And then later we find out that this is also going to be David's replacement for the throne, the true king. So now progressive revelation of this good news, the one coming who will be the perfect prophet is also going to be the perfect heir to the throne. Right. And this progressive revelation continues to move forward. However, God looks at what you know. Do you have faith in what I'm doing? And that's what we see in the past prior to the coming of Christ. This is why people were saved by trusting in what God promised them, like uh, um, Naaman. Naaman just came and trusted that God would heal him. And we know that Jesus confirms that he had saving faith because I don't think Jesus would reference someone who has who is damned in hell as an example of faith. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong there, JD. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Not nah, all good. All good, bro. All good. So that is, I don't know if anybody needs me to keep that on, on screen any longer before we dive into the Bible, because uh, we're going to dive into the Bible now. Actually, I'll just move to the side. I'll leave it there in case we need to go back to it. So that is the doctrine of salvation that we believe, and we're going to dive basically into that over the next hour and 10 minutes of the gospel of Jesus Christ and why we believe in it. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that kind of, at face value, anyone can, can sound like they believe the same gospel. And I think we've talked about this before when it comes to who people think Jesus is, Christology, uh, coincidentally mm -hmm. enough, mm -hmm. that in the first two minutes of a conversation, someone might sound like they believe the same thing I believe. I believe in Jesus and that he died for our sins. Like, oh, OK, cool. That sounds like you're a Christian. But there are some people yeah. out there that when you begin to have that conversation, you start to find out this isn't the same Jesus I believe in. And, and, and I don't know what you mean when you say die for sins, because that ain't what I believe in. Right. Um, we see this with Mormon Jehovah's Witnesses. And then there's also Christians out there that will verbally state the gospel, but then demonstrate a different gospel. And I the main culprit for this, and I know I lose followers for saying it, is the Catholic Church, not individual Catholics, but uh, the Catholic Church presents the same gospel message that we present. However, 
if you do not believe in any of the dogmas about Mary or any dogma about anything else, you can't be a member of that church. So there's still like this unwritten addition to the gospel saying, well, you can't be a member of the one true church if you deny these things and none of them have to do with the gospel. And that is that is affecting the gospel as well. If you tell someone that there's other things required for them to do to believe uh, uh, or anything like that. Amen. Amen. I mean, <clears throat> and this is a this is a great question we've just received going into going into tonight's study. What is the difference between reading the Bible intellectually and spiritually? And how do you read spiritually? Everyone says you need to read the Bible spiritually. Now, this is a, a brilliant question. I'm glad we've got 96 people here watching. So if we go to if we go to First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, if we go to Acts 17, 11, if we go to 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, we see a Greek word here, which means to accept, to receive with grace, um, to receive gladly. Um, and the message here is, is that uh, Paul puts emphasis on this in, 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 because we've just gone through this on a live recently in one Corinthians chapter, chapters one, three, and four, Paul puts emphasis on the fact that a, someone who is not regenerate, someone who is not born again, cannot understand the Bible. And this is not to say that someone cannot understand the Bible on an intellectual level. Surely they can read John 3, 16 and see for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, but they don't receive that message with gladness. They don't receive the message the way the Bereans received Paul and Apollos when they preached the scriptures to them. So Vian, to answer your question, if you are regenerate, if you are a new creature in Christ and you read the Bible, you are reading the Bible spiritually. There's not some code that you need to unlock. There's not some secret password. There's not two different ways to read the Bible. Regenerate people read the Bible in the spiritual with the help of the Holy Spirit. And this is where Dual authorship comes in as well. When we look at the Bible, we see 2 Timothy 3.16 tell us that all scripture is breathed out by God. So we know that God used men to pen down his revelation. God used prophets to speak out his word and pen down what he had spoke. So when and, and going into the study of soteriology, this is very important to note that if you are regenerate, you will understand the doctrines of soteriology. If you are reprobate and you reject the truth of the gospel, everything we will be reading, as Paul says to the Corinthians, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So uh, great question. Thanks for that question. And, uh, you know, I'm going to let Mike carry on. But just, uh, just to sidetrack, if you are not regenerate, you cannot read and understand the things which are spiritual, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Amen. And I want to add on to that because a lot of people ask this question about doing things in the spirit, walking in the spirit, um, praying in the spirit, all these in the spirit things. And, and, and we have people that try to make this, like JD said, kind of into uh, a spectacle or uh, I don't know what to say, how to describe it, but it's embarrassing. The Bible tells us what being in the spirit is. Romans 8. It goes all throughout it. It starts by saying what the mind set on the flesh is and what the mind set on the spirit is. And then Paul goes from describing this to talking to the believer. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Paul's there. So what does it mean to be in the spirit? Having the spirit of God dwelling in you. This is all about him. 
when he's in you, the things you do are in the spirit because he is there. Keep reading. I wanted a side note, actually. When you make fleshly decisions, then you're allowing your flesh to rule you. And in those moments, you're in the flesh, right? You're walking in the flesh or thinking with the flesh. For example, Peter didn't want Jesus to go to the cross and said, I will, you know, forbid it. I will not let it happen. He said, uh, get behind me, Satan. But then he pointed to the fact that this was his flesh. But when Jesus was identified as the Holy One by Peter, same chapter, he says that flesh and blown didn't reveal that, but my Father in heaven, right? Your, your mindset on the spirit is a spirit walking person. Your mindset on the flesh is walking on the flesh. So it's not a spectacle. It's about that mind. Like, he, like J.D. said, mm-hmm. if you are in Christ and the spirit be in you, then what you do is in the spirit. Uh, this is the same thing with worship. Singing music isn't worship. Someone who does not have the spirit of God in them cannot worship. Someone with the spirit of God in them can worship in all many ways. Um, Yeah. Amen. Amen. He said, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because you're walking around dead in your sins, right? Because of your sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness, not your righteousness, his righteousness, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. And this goes on and on talking about the spirit interceding for you. So for anyone out there that's asked that question, like, how do I, you know, do things in the spirit? Don't aim to do things in the spirit. Aim to pursue Jesus and let the spirit do the things he does. I opened up 1 Corinthians 15. You, JD, because before you answer that question, I figured you were going to go here when talking about the gospel. I even started doing little highlights with little crosses. I was getting my- <laughs> amen, man, amen, amen. And this is this is it. This is the the gospel. This is the gospel. And and, and the way Paul approaches this, again, um, people glaze over this. So, so and we're going to get to this in accordance with with the scriptures in a minute because we see an example of this with with uh, the eunuch in acts chapter eight so again when people try and make this something it isn't um mike and i are going to show you what it is so when when the new testament apostles are referring to the scriptures let's just make something abundantly clear they're referring to the old testament at no point did peter or paul real quick jd i just want to show people why you're saying this so while he's saying this I'm going to pull up these cross references for what Paul says with according to the scriptures. And you notice it's Isaiah, Daniel, Zechariah. And so go ahead, JD. I'll, that's what you guys are going to see right there. 100%. So we, we see this and, and, and it's an important to take note of that. So he says, now I would remind your brothers of the gospel. I preach to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word, I preach to you. Unless you believed in vain. Keyword there. Unless you believed in vain. So we see James tell us that even the demons know who God is. They fear and tremble God. They believe in God. But they don't believe in God the way the believer believes in God. We believe in in, in JD. <laughs> we believe in JD. <laughs> we believe in Jesus for salvation. We believe in Jesus for our salvation. Not just because we've got head knowledge Oh, I see you saying JD speaks Afrikaans, and then I quit. Oh man, that was such a flop blooper. So again, 
unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then he goes on to explain who he appeared to, who Christ appeared to. So this this spirals into, into a whole other rabbit hole. Because yeah, we can this this also proves the apostles that were called and that there are no apostles today. From here we can go all sorts of directions, but as Mike already highlighted, what scriptures is Paul referring to? He's referring to those scriptures that were written. He's referring to what what was already prophesied about the Messiah. So He's not referring to his own writings. He's not referring to something he told to the Roman church. He's not referring to what James said at the council in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. No, he's referring to the passages in the Old Testament which speak of the coming Messiah, which speak of Jesus Christ being the lamb that would be slain, the lamb that would be led to the slaughter, that would be quiet, that would be, that would be humble as he was being mocked and spat on, as his clothes were being cast for lots, as he was crucified for the sins of the world. So very, very important thing. So here's one, uh, uh, one of the references that we see Paul having right here. And after 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. By the way, so if you're ever talking to a Jewish person, and they say Jesus isn't the Messiah, I would say to them, well, then who's the Messiah that came before 70 AD? Because according to this prophecy of Daniel right here, that after the Messiah is cut off, the temple falls, the city will be desecrated, right? The sanctuary will fall. So that means the Messiah has to come and die before the second temple fell. Jesus did that. But now we're beyond that. So that means he had to have come. So, uh, yeah, I don't know where they expect this Messiah to come. Like, my bad. I caught the wrong bus. I know I was supposed to be here. You know, I, I never actually heard uh, what the uh, Jewish response is to that. But, yeah, so that's one of the uh, cross references. Then one more. Let me I'll pull up one more. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. Uh, well, now it's going on to the rest of it, but we have this right here, um, which is, again, just one of the prophecies that we see talking about what will happen. And we know that when Jesus died, they all scattered until his resurrection. Um, but yeah, so Amen. Amen. the important thing is if you believe this is the gospel, you need to understand that the only reason why, how do I want to word this? The only one who can change what, what this is right here is God, God himself, not an angel. Like, I don't care if you have a vision, right? If one of you goes forward and you end up having an angel appear to you, I could care less. I don't care if someone says they have apostolic authority. I don't care about any of that. And we're going to read why. And that it, it, it begins here in Galatians chapter one. Many of you are familiar with it. But what's happening here in, in, in this letter is Paul's about to rebuke Peter. Right. 
And the reason he has to rebuke Peter isn't even like a major thing. I want you to understand how serious Paul took this and why I think not enough Christians take the gospel as serious as we should. Because this is a demonstration yeah. for me, at least. Paul rebukes Peter to his face because the of Peter's actions, not what Peter's teaching. So Peter's actually not teaching anything at this point that's false, right? And that's not what's being done here. Peter's actions are leading Gentiles to believe that they have to get circumcised to be treated as an equal in this new group of humans called the Christians, right? Because Ephesians 2 says, we're a new body, we're a new person. He took two and made one. And Peter's actions with who he sits with and how he treats people leads Gentiles to think, I, I need to get circumcised. And Paul rebukes him to the face just for that. And yet people can come out here and actually speak falsehoods about the Bible and Jesus and Christians to go, well, you know, he had a good intention. He had a good intention. Why are you going to rebuke him? Paul rebuked Peter. So if Peter's not too good to be rebuked, if you out here trying to protect your false prophet, you might want to sit down and let them get rebuked. But Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ because they're taking uh, this and running with it also, right? So people are actually saying we have to be circumcised. And that's why later he talks about if you take circumcision, then the law, uh, then then Christ means nothing to you because you basically turned away from his free gift and accepted uh, the law. But we'll continue. So quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we now he just included apostles. So I want you to understand the authority he's pulling in here. Even if we or an angel from heaven, and this is messenger from heaven. So whether the earthly messengers who are the apostles or a heavenly messenger, regardless who says it, it can't be changed. The gospel is secure. God himself would have to come to me and say, Mike, this is the gospel. Because I'm not, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So should preach to you a God, if any of those should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So what's this also tell me? That we have the official, we have the gospel that saves. Nothing else is needed beyond this. Joseph Smith, a lie. Muhammad, a lie. Immediately, the minute this happens, we now know that there is no further revelation. As we have said before, now, and so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Not only is he saying all this, but Paul just literally back-to-backed on him. And I don't know, I've read a lot of Paul. I don't think, Paul, J.D., maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to speak ignorantly here, but I don't think Paul does this any other time where he legit just writes the same thing twice. Like, he's trying to really rock this one home. Like, yo, don't do this. I say it again. I said it once. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah. I think he does something similar in Timothy, but, but uh, again, it's the... The repetition now, when we look at the Greek readings, when we look at the Greek manuscripts and the original manuscripts, the when something is repetitive like this in the Greek, it's it's putting emphasis. So they didn't use exclamation marks. So if Paul was writing in modern day English, he would put this in all caps with exclamation marks at the end. So that's the reason for the repetition. It's like I'm putting emphasis on what I'm saying. If you do, so this is this is number where I take a Muslim and I'm like, how are you gonna trust? someone who came 600 years after the apostles who walked with Christ, 
over their witness accounts, over their testimony. You're trusting some dude who who was a known madman uh, coming out of the wilderness and going, yo, so angel appeared to me and this is actually what God meant. So again, the deceit is real. And Paul puts emphasis on this because the deceit is so real. And we see so many different gospels um, on TikTok alone. Um, yeah. Mark and I come across some videos and we're like, what? I'm going to be honest with you, JD. The, um, the people that deny eternal security, I'm not saying that if you don't understand or don't believe it, you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. Because there are some people that just don't believe it, but it's not uh, it's not for the same reasons of the people that reject the truth. But there are people that their gospel message is like around that. Like they are actively preaching you can lose salvation, which blows my mind, JD. Like people that are actively preaching that, like I get, you might believe that and you just sit in your little corner like, well, I think you can lose it. So I'm going to be careful and I'm going to leave these people alone. But there are people actively going out there being like, you can lose it. You can lose it. To me, that's a false gospel. Because even though we talked about the go- what the gospel is, there are things that are encompassing in that gospel that aren't written. And someone's going to clip this and try and use it. This is the Christology that JD was talking about. Because what is the gospel? We just said it. That Jesus Christ came in the flesh and lived sinlessly, died, was buried, and rose from the grave. Don't you think who that figure in that that those those sentences matters? Because if I replace that figure with Mike, none of you are saved. Likewise, just because I place of name Jesus in there, if the Jesus I'm thinking of doesn't secure his people, doesn't protect them from darkness, doesn't do these different things, condemns people that he says he would never forsake, that ends up being a different Jesus. Like, I'm just... That that's not our Jesus, right? So Christology, this is why I'm glad JD brought it up because I didn't even put it. I should have put it up there. So teriology and Christology. Christology plays a major factor in the gospel because who is it that you think Jesus is? What does he ask Peter? Who is it you say that I am? Like that's the question. And what did he build? What's he said? Uh, what's he say that this is the rock I'm going to build my church on? That confession is our is our rock. The confession that we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the, the Holy One, the Anointed One, the one that came to save us. And if you have a altering view of that, well, that's not Jesus. So I think that that's yeah. extremely important. The Christology has to be a part of your gospel. Amen. Amen. What and, and, they- and ultimately, that's where we that's where we see so many people go down the if you've if you've had a conversation with someone and you're like, that's that's crazy. How did they get there? And you start asking questions about Jesus Christ. And 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 I know Mark has gone here so many times when we go to Matthew 16, I believe. Or Matthew, is it Matthew 16 or Matthew 10? Where he speaks to Peter and he says, Who do you say I am? 16. Um yeah, Matthew 16. So again, we see this. If you go and you you hear someone say something whack and you start asking them questions about Christ and you get their version of who Christ is. That immediately explains how they believe, why they believe what they believe. And this is the same with, I'll use modalism as an example. Them thinking Jesus is the father. And because they think Jesus is the father, they've got a different gospel. They've got a completely different gospel. And there's there's many things. Uh, we look at them and they say some stuff from, they'll be reading Revelation all whack. They'll be like, we'll be like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. 
what you're saying right there. Um, and they'll justify this and they're able to justify this because they've already in their own minds ascertained that Jesus Christ is the father in the flesh. That's not the case. Um, and being eternally begotten um, is something that they cannot explain because Jesus Christ is the begotten son of God. What if they trust Amen. the gospel I that say, Jesus uh, died for us? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, here's ahead. the thing, though, with these questions. I'm going to be very honest with these questions. Here's the problem for me is that they they don't include certain things that matter. And, and, and we can't really make up these what ifs because here's the truth of it. I can't teach anybody the truth of who God is. All I can do is bring them the gospel. And if someone has the Holy Spirit, he's going to guide them to, to knowledge and truth. Now, does that mean a person cannot understand the Trinity and be saved? Absolutely. But I just don't believe that a person who is walking with the Holy Spirit will continue to reject truth brought forth to them constantly, right? So I think it's dangerous when someone straight up rejects the Trinity and at the same time tells me that the Spirit of God is in them. Again, not my place to know their heart. It isn't. But Jesus said a day is coming when we will worship in spirit and truth. We see constantly in Scripture that it is to know him to be saved. First John says, you know, th that we know him. Uh, Jeremiah says, boast in the fact that you know me. Well, what better thing? I mean, what bigger part of knowing someone is knowing how they exist, especially at least how they revealed him themselves to exist. So, again, I'm not going to say that you have to understand the Trinity to be saved. That's that's obviously not true because no one will understand it. And I'm also not going to say that you must believe the Trinity to be saved because, again, that's those words are subjective. But if someone believes the gospel and they're walking with the Holy Spirit, he's going to guide them the truth. And therefore, they will understand the Trinity eventually. That's my opinion. Amen. But that Amen. Goes I was a uh, literally, that goes a literally though, about to say, you know, I was literally about to say that. Yeah. We I was about to say you. that because anybody who is caught up in heresy, anybody who's caught up in heresy, whatever the heresy might be, if they're truly seeking Christ, they won't be caught up in it for a long time. This is why, you know, and I don't know if you guys were on, on the live the other day when I said, people do get saved in a Joel Osteen church, in a Stephen Furtick church, in a T.D. Jakes church. They do get saved. So God still uses, even though their doctrine is false and their perception is skewed, and they do not use biblical hermeneutics to exegete the text, they ultimately, people are being saved. And it takes a week or two weeks or three weeks, whatever the case may be, but the person returns to that church and eventually goes, but this is not what the Bible says. And they mm -hmm. seek, they seek and they find something else. And we've seen so many brothers and sisters in Christ who have started in a place like that, who mm -hmm. are now able to look back and go, that's heresy. That's not of Christ. Um, and so I say the, the good work, what does Paul say? I, I, I planted... Uh, Apollos watered and God brings it forth. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, as Paul also says in Philippians, there are some who preach Christ out of contention, supposing to add affliction to me, but Christ is being preached. So what ifs? Like, well, and, and we will expose, we will expose the deeper truths of, of those ministries, but ultimately people are still getting saved. So for that, we well, give God the glory. Absolutely. And like for this question right here, I love this question. Would Christ not save somebody who asks him to, or how can we have assurance? It's not that Christ wouldn't save someone that asks him to. 
Christ isn't listening to how you ask with your mouth, but he hears your heart because anyone who calls upon the Lord from their heart will be saved because that person wants the Lord. That person also doesn't reject the truth that the Holy Spirit gives that person. That's why I said with these what if questions, we're really just throwing out these possibilities and we could do this for days. The truth is, if someone truly wants the Lord and truly is pursuing him, then the spirit will move him in his life and move him to truth. People that don't move towards the truth might not be pursuing Jesus. Remember what he says in the parable of the sower? There are some seeds that when they land, they land on thorny grounds. So they sprout up instantly and rejoice. However, when the sun comes out, they wither away. And he breaks that down and says that seed is the word. And then the person that sprouts up to rejoice is a person that's excited about the, you know, about Jesus, but they end up falling away the moment they face persecution based on Jesus because they don't have a root. That root is us actually pursuing Christ. Uh, that root is that purpose of why you pursue him. Paul, actually, we were just in first uh, Corinthians 15, JD. What did it say in the very beginning? Um, the very beginning says, unless you believed in vain. See, that's yeah. the people that aren't saved. Those people that believe in vain because they don't truly believe. Their belief is shallow. And I'll give you a couple examples. There are people that get involved with a church because of community, family, and other things that aren't really there for that reason. There are people that, I know this might sound crazy, there are people that really think God can be fooled and that participate to hedge their bet legit. Like, like, well, I might as well go because, you know, um, I'll wait until the very end. I'm going to ask for forgiveness and he'll give it to me. Right. People that are pursuing self-preservation. But a true believer isn't even worried about salvation. We're worried about him. We want to pursue him. We love him. These other things come with it. So that's my little two cents yeah. there. Amen. Amen. I mean, and and yes, yes, something like I'm going to I'm going to touch on something. Yeah. And, and this is this is going to be this is going to be hard to hear for some people, um, you know, who've got parents who have Jehovah's Witnesses. And, and I hear this statement. Um, they love God, you know, and, and I've heard people say this about Hindus. I've heard people say this about Muslims. I've heard people say this about Mormons, but they love God. This is going to be hard. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to offend. But again, the truth offends. They don't love God. They, they love, they love the God. idea yeah. of God. Yeah, they no, love the, the idea the God of that a God. Created, yeah, yeah, and and the thing with Mormonism is, is let's just use that for an example. And the same with Jehovah's Witnesses is there is a pantheon of gods. There, Jehovah's Witnesses ultimately, you know, when we go to Colossians, they say Jesus was a created being. So because they think Jesus was a created being, and and they could attain their righteousness by their works, means they don't love God. They love that they're able to do something to to earn a place. They love the credits. They love um, the tap on the back. Um, and and this is hard to hear. And it's 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 again. Um, we're praying for your for your parents, Danny. And 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 I'm trusting God that through your through your testimony and through your fruit, they will come to the knowledge of the truth. But in order to say that they don't believe in Jesus, but they love God, it's it's literally mixing dark with light it's 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 saying you know they don't have christ but they've got a they're, but they're good people i mean joel osteen once said this he, he says 99.9 percent .9 of people are good people this is completely contrary to what we learn in the scriptures the scriptures tell us that there are none good no not one all seek after their own so again righteousness is imputed to us because of the gospel not because 
okay, I've heard this. Now I'm a good person. At no point do Mike or I ever become good people. And we realize that and we recognize that. Repentance isn't a one-off thing. Repentance is a walk. Repentance is a daily walk. This is why Mike and I said this a while ago when we were speaking on sanctification. Sanctification and repentance go hand in hand. It's not a, it's not a one-off thing. This is a daily struggle. Every single day we wake up, we battle the flesh. It's not a, okay, Mike has reached it. We don't all have a Mike has reached it party. Mike has reached perfection, guys. Everybody acknowledge that he is now a good person because he's been he's been a Christian for 10 years. Therefore, he's got the 10-year badge. This is not the army. Sorry. Can, what, is a, it, a, what is it like when a professor uh, 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 gets where they can't be fired? Um, oh, my goodness. Tenure. When do we get tenured in? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, we we that's a perfect way to say it. we are all dirtbags. We're all we're all, we've all fallen short of the glory, and we continue to fall short of the glory of God. This is this is the biggest reason. If if let's just let's just put it this way: if there was a way for us to attain perfection, Mark and I would have to do one more TikTok video each and then log off. Because, you know, ultimately everybody's gonna everybody's gonna reach the level, and and this is the biggest thing that I see with 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 young Christians is you learn something, and you run away with what you've learned. We have to have to have to come to the place. Scripture is a lifelong study. It's a lifelong study. We are fallible human beings. We will still make mistakes. And, and this, is, this is where we say we might disagree on secondary issues, but I'm willing to listen to you if you're willing to listen to me. And, and so we reason together as brother and sister in Christ. That, but when it comes to the gospel, there is no disagreement there. Absolutely none. I'm done. <laughs> I heard that a power play okay, would make the other person speak first. So that's why I was staring you down. I was holding power <laughs> over you. Why do some leaders say you have to be baptized in order be, to be truly saved? And what scriptures speak to this truth? You know, I want to, I, I like this. I want to talk about this because this, I'm about the, whatever, we're having a fun night and, and we're talking about truths of the gospel. And this is what an, such an important statement. So let me get this. Oh gosh, I can't even get my words out because it makes me so frustrated that we talk about this like this. I truly believe if we can go back in time and sit down with Paul, for example, and say, hey, did you know in 2000 years people are going to argue over whether baptism saves or not? He would probably slap me for everyone else. <laughs> I can't stand when it even becomes a topic or when churches try to say it. We get Christians get baptized. That's the statement. And I want you to hear what that says, right? Christians get baptized, meaning you're a Christian if you get baptized. You you don't get baptized to become a Christian. Christians get baptized. Nobody who steps Boom. in that water is stepping in that water like an accident, right? Right? Like, oh, I don't know what happened. I just ended up in some water. No, they got in there intentionally. And that type of intention in their heart should be the intention for Christ. Christians get baptized. It's not about Jesus saves. Christians get baptized. So many people discuss this. And the problem is they try to take the scriptures and they try to piece together things. And oh my goodness, it says repent and be baptized. So they're like, you must repent. You must be baptized. 
What if this is just them saying, repent and be baptized, change your ways, get baptized. Yeah. Like, and we see that when you actually read the scriptures, they're never using the repent part or the baptism part for salvation because they'll say, believe, repent, baptize and be saved. But then they'll also just say, believe the same book, Acts of the Apostles. They say, believe in the name of Jesus when they're asked how to be saved. In John, Jesus says, if you believe in me, yes, sometimes they'll say, repent, believe, get baptized. But what do you want them to say, right? People act like the Bible was written purposely for us many years later to read and learn how to be a Christian. That's not why the Bible was written. You ready? For, I'm about to let y'all know. The Bible is a cloud of witnesses and testimonies. That's what it is. It's testimonies Amen. to tell you God never let, let down any of them. He's not about to start today. These are the things God has yep. done, and he will continue to do it in your life. This is what God has accomplished, and he'll never fail. This is testimony and eyewitness accounts to remind me that the God of today isn't going to stop. We're not just reading about an old God trying to figure out how to do, right? This is why, J.D., this is also what makes me mad when people talk about losing salvation, and they point to a passage in Scripture, and it's like, wait. What's the opposite? Did you want Paul to say, hey, everybody go out and have sex with married women? Like, what do you want him to say? We want, even in, in yeah. uh, believing eternal security, I'm going to say, JD, make sure you keep your head up. JD, make sure you're careful when you're there. JD, make sure you're walking the right way. I'm Amen. still going to encourage my brothers and sisters, regardless whether I believe in eternal security or not. It's just people's view of the Bible is what makes all these issues a problem. I'm sorry. Yeah. I Amen. need more water. I'll and again, we, we, we easily debunk baptismal regeneration with the fact that they've been Israel been getting baptized long before Jesus came, um, and to this day you go to Jerusalem and you will find the mikveh, the baptismal baths outside the city walls, and they were getting dipped once a year for the remission of their sins as long as presenting their sacrifices. If water was the way in, Jesus would not die. This is the simple question you need to ask someone who says, but you must be baptized. Why did Jesus die? It's a simple question. I know from anyone who thinks the water saves you, why did Jesus have to die? Because if water was there for the purpose of salvation, then Christ is dead in vain. Christ's death means nothing. I mean, I mean, and I was explaining this. I was explaining this on, on the live the other day. So I'm just going to go over this very quickly. When it comes to Christology, when it comes to salvation, we understand that the death of Jesus Christ, and I know most people don't know what a Roman flogging was. A Roman flogging was a whip. It wasn't just whipped. It wasn't just whipped like you think in your mind, modern day whipping. A Roman flogging was it was it had little tassels on the end of it with little beads and little hooks. So every slash Jesus took, they were tearing flesh off of his back, leaving gaping holes. The the whipping, the flogging alone would have left Jesus near death. It would have left him near death. He could not manage to muster up the strength to carry his own cross. So they get someone, Simon, to assist Christ with his cross then the position in which they pin christ to the cross leaves him in the inhale position this is this is medically proven he's he's, he's pinned in the medic in the inhale position so every single time jesus christ takes a breath in 
He's impossible to let that breath out. So what happens is this oxidizes in the lungs and causes water and fluid on the lungs. What do we see in the scriptures? When the Roman spears Christ, what comes out? Water. So Jesus died by asphyxiation. He literally drowned. He, he suffocated to death on the cross. And, and, and then we have people saying, oh, well, he didn't really die. Can you come again? Uh, swap, were, come again? Like this is to this day, to this day. Jordan Peterson did a whole skit on this. To this day, there is no death more brutal than the Roman crucifixion. No death has come Amen. close to the crucifixion. So, so we see you want to take away from what Jesus went through and say, simply run a bath and dip yourself. Listen what's to how crazy is, ludicrous that sounds. What's crazy is I actually heard someone once say, when someone pointed to the thief on the cross, I heard this Catholic respond and say that there's a rumor or a myth that when Jesus's side was pierced and water and blood came out, the water baptized the thief on the cross. <laughs> oh. All right, but seriously, though, so some, it, so she asked about passages as well. So just real quick, we'll look at some passages. Um, a lot of people try to go here saying this proves that we're saved by baptism, but they don't realize that baptism here is not being compared to the water, but rather something else. So just read it real quick. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with the angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Let me ask you all a question. Was it the ark or the water that saved the people? And was it the ark or the water that was God's judgment? Because in that scenario, it was not the water in which God saved them. It was the ark. So the baptism that we that saves us is comparable to the ark, not the water. The water is God's judgment and wrath. So that's not even that's I don't even know why people go here for that. Another place they go is Acts 2, but really quickly, I'm going to just prove, I'm going to prove to you that baptism in the spirit is what saves and not baptism with water. Ready? I'm going to be the first Christian to do it, JD. I'm going to prove it without a doubt. I'm confident in this one. I don't think I've, I don't think I've used this argument in your presence yet. This is the new one that I've, you know, in case you're all ever wondering, I work on these, uh, you know, on these responses in private because I learned from Paul. Did you ever notice that Paul will actually, I mean, Romans 9, for example, do you think Paul was actually writing down what someone was saying to him? No, he would write down his own oppositions. He was an apologist at heart, and then he would answer it, right? So he's he, he worked on his own defense. So this is a new one. Let's all go to Matthew in the beginning. In the beginning of all the Gospels except for John, we see John the baptizer, and we see this statement. I baptize you with water. For repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So we have a baptism of spirit and fire, and then we have a baptism of water. So that's two baptisms immediately in the beginning of the Gospels. So there's no confusion to the fact that it's not like spirit baptism is a hidden thing, and we're just talking about it now. This is the introduction of the Gospels. 
the fire baptism has nothing to do with you if you're in Christ. Let's hope you don't ever have to experience that. But let's agree that the Bible right here shows us two baptisms, right? Can I get a, an agreement? If you're on TikTok, let me get some hearts. And if you're in the comments, I want to make sure we're all here. We see two baptisms, right? And one of them is water and one of them is spirit. This is where you guys got to be a part of this. Yeah, amen, amen. I want, not, I want to see you. this. I want to see this. Not you, JD. All right, JD, read verse four for me, and then verse five. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope that belongs to your belongs to your call. Yes, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Uh, this is. This is ultimately where I where, where we take people when they try and justify what baptism. There is exactly. one baptism, and that baptism is the spirit. Yeah, so if there's two baptisms that we know of, water and spirit, but only one that saves, are you really about to put your eggs in the basket of water? Just, just want to know. When you read this, what's that yeah. one baptism? This is where we have to ask that question. I don't care where anybody else wants to go. Right here, what's that one baptism? Because it can't be both. Can't be water and spirit. Only one of them is a real baptism. The other one is a representation of what Jesus did, and we do it out of obedience and also to symbolize our spiritual baptism because water is often a sign of the spirit, right? I mean, in the beginning, the spirit literally hovered over the water. I digress, though. Um, but yeah. yeah, and then they try to go to John three. I'm not even going to open up John three. I've got entire videos on it. Maybe I'll do another live on it later, but John three is not about baptism at all. And that is something called eisegesis. When you input baptism into John three, when it was never actually mentioned. Now, now you're speaking is very clearly. And even we go to the, the oldest, oldest, oldest manuscripts, uh, and, and, and the, the exegesis there, the water birth is what is referred to there. Um, Jesus Christ is clearly referring to the birth that's your first birth when the her water breaks and you give you come into the world naturally. That's that's what Christ is referring to there. And 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 just to answer this question, why people get baptized over and over and over? It's like sending Jesus to the cross over and over and over. Again, I've I've met people who've been baptized like eight or nine times, or ten times, and every single time they fall into sin, um, every single time they fall into sin, they go try and get baptized again. This is ultimately relying on a work. And, and you can look at it however you want to, but you, you are ultimately then starting to rely on, on water. As uh, if I get baptized, I'm, 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 you know, indirectly working for, um, for your salvation. And I don't know that's you, the way Jamie, I see it. But I rely on yeah. water because we need it to survive. So, Amen. I've been baptized Amen. twice. You got beef, bro? You got beef? Yeah, yeah. No, I no, go once no, a week no, sometimes. I think about it. I dip my toe in. If the temperature is good, then we're good. Um, uh, twice, Mike. Yes, I was baptized as a baby, and I didn't. I didn't accept that as an adult. I didn't want that. I wanted one where I chose, not where I was unconscious. That's and good. A, and, a, and a vegetable. Well, that's good because the science uh, behind the Bible literally asked earlier on if he was baptized as a baby, is that enough? Yeah, no, I don't believe my 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 second baptism was necessary for salvation or something, right? I went and wanted to be able to say I got in front of my church, the people I love, with my pastor who I love, and say, I give my life to Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to, you know, 
announced this publicly. And then I, and I got dipped and I got brought back up. And then, you know, I was with my church body hugging each other and welcoming me, you know, to be a part of the family. Yes. I was already a part of the spiritual church, uh, without a doubt. But again, I never got to say yes. Right. So imagine this. I was already legally married to the Lord. The, the wedding certificate was already signed because our Lord signed that. However, I never got my wedding, right? So I wanted to be able to stand there with my Lord and say, I do. I do. Amen. The wedding doesn't make anything Amen. official, but hey, I wanted my wedding, right? So that's my opinion on it. Yeah. Let's let's just take this out of let's just uh, Angelo, I see your statement. Yes, but we have to be baptized in water for repentance and obedience and people taking it out of proportion. Let's just take the have to away from the equation for a second. Why would you not want to? Like, I'm a believer. Like, if 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 this is what the apostles did, if this is what Christ Himself did, why would you not want to be baptized? This is the question. Yeah. I mean, I've gone over this with Chris, Chris and Selena as well on the Discord. Why would you be kicking up a stink against it? Like, JD. I get people who are like, it's like ridiculous, man. Why I just gotta you want say to this. I don't want I don't want anyone to get baptized because they have to. I don't think yeah. Jesus wants anybody who only gets baptized because they have to. I can't speak for Jesus, so I'm saying I don't think. But I, I just don't think he wants someone that has to be told you have to do this. That doesn't sound like someone who comes running to the water. Yeah. I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off. I just wanted to add that. You keep talking. 100%. And, I, you know, and, and to uh, to our brother, Science Beyond the Bible, you accept your – and I've got many friends, you know, uh, pedo baptists who 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 hold to their infant baptism and i'm i'm like i'm cool with that because ultimately uh the water doesn't save you do you believe that jesus christ died for your sins on the cross that he was buried and he rose again then you are saved and sealed with the holy spirit um again when it comes to the the topic of baptism and like i say i've had many many discussions about this and and mike has just hit the nail on the head why would you not want to what is what is holding the believer back? Um, and like, okay, shucks, now I've got to plan my baptism because now I've believed the gospel. Uh, how's next Sunday? Uh, that's not what it's about, man. It's it's like I, you you see the the and again we see this beautiful parallel with 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 Paul saying referring to the scriptures Isaiah fifty three. You know, we see this eunuch. He's a he's he's a, he's a he's working for his queen. He's reading the scripture, which was given to him as a gift. He's reading Isaiah 50. What does Philip say to him? And here we see the first practice of hermeneutics in the Bible. Philip says to the eunuch, do you understand what you are reading? What does the eunuch say? How can I understand unless someone explains it to me? That's the first practice of biblical hermeneutics we see. How can I understand if someone doesn't explain it to me? Looks like JD earned an air horn. So people go, yeah, that's it. And 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 so Philip goes on to explain who the passage is about. The eunuch receives again. We see that same Greek word. The eunuch receives and accepts the message of the cross and says to Philip, "What? There is water. Let me get baptized." And Philip says, "Sweet, bro, let's do it." There is. I was going to say that, JD. JD. Back then, you got baptized on the spot, too. Like, it wasn't like, all right, next week or, you know, once a month we do baptism classes. And I think that might also lead to us being like, do I have to do this? It wasn't a question. 
Like that's, it wasn't, it wasn't this an, an argument over it. It's stupid, like legit stupid. Like I'm going to say it, you can clip me and send it to all the Christians that get butt hurt. You arguing about whether baptism saves or not is absolutely stupid. Clip it. Cause it's like, just go yeah. get baptized <laughs> shut up and serve your God. Like it's crazy. It's mind blowing. Like y'all crying about Absolutely. this. Like you're showing up at your first day at work. And you're like, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? You're working for yeah. salvation. If your question is, what do I got to do? It's your father in heaven. When you say, dad, I just want to follow you and do what you do. Amen. Oh, Amen. my Lord got baptized. Sounds like I want to be like him. So let's get baptized. I don't know about, Amen. I don't know about you guys, but he said, pick up your cross and follow me. So I'm trying to walk the same walk he walked and his walk started in water. So my walk should start in water has nothing to do with salvation. It's about me trying to follow in his footsteps and seeing that his first foot footsteps were in that water for his ministry. I want my footsteps to start in that water as well. Yeah, I, I love this question and I'm going to get it. I'm going to get this because Vian also asked, uh, he's like, how do I, I'm not understanding the Bible. This is it because I speak two languages and yeah, we've got a, another question. What is the, hermeneutics definition hermeneutics is the <clears throat> science and the art of interpretation so let me break it down for you in in layman's terms you read the passage you read the passage you understand the passage and then you apply the passage what we see in modern day church is people read and jump straight to application without the understanding part so reading the passage is one thing then coming to a place where you understand what you have read, as we've just explained to the eunuch in, in, in Acts chapter 8, what am I reading? How do I understand this? And once you've got full understanding of the text, then comes the application. And, and to anybody who's discouraged because they don't understand what they're reading, this is why God appointed teachers and preachers. This is why God called men forward to, to exegete the text. And that's what exegesis means exegesis is in definition what the bible actually says this is what the bible actually says eisegesis is me reading into the bible and adding what i've already believed conclusions i've already come to to certain texts this is why people can take scriptures like hebrews 6 verses 1 through 6 um, and Hebrews 10, 26, and Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to, to 22, and take it out of context. But when we read those entire passages, we see this is what the text actually says. So Jesus Christ is saying, those, before he says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, you go three verses up, and he says, you will know them by their fruit, not by how they cast out demons, not by their prophecies, not by any of these things will you know them. You will know them by their fruit. And, and okay. again, I went and grabbed a couple pictures to kind of help us with uh, understanding uh, hermeneutics. And I don't know if, did you mention, JD, the different styles of hermeneutics as well? That, you know, there's different types of hermeneutics when it comes to how people interpret the Bible. Because some people use a literal hermeneutic where they say, no matter what, I will take everything literal, right? Um, but yeah. so here's an image that I think I just found it. So if there's anything wrong with it, I, I apologize. Uh, let's see. Uh, so the first horizon you cross, you have to cross is the biblical culture. The second horizon would be your culture and making sure that you don't, in, you know, input it. And then the receptors culture, meaning the people that it was written to. And then you pass this through. Yeah. You know what? I think I have a better picture. Hold on. Oh, I used this before. So 
Number one. So here's where we exist today, right? Oh, well, you can't see my mouse. But to the right in that city is where you exist. And to the left to that city is the culture of the Bible. In order to get there, you have to pass by several places. One would be, you know, today's modern language, today's modern context. And the bridge there, it's the principalizing bridge. The river there is culture, language, time, situation. And the point is, before you even get to the text, the target text, you want to get through cultural background, historical background, geographic background, the entire Bible, New Testament. And I'm not saying, hey, you can't study a text until you've got through all this. But the point is that that target text can mean something one way, but with all this information can then mean something else. Because once you have... For example, you heard me and JD talk about the term tota scriptura, meaning we take all of scripture in totality. And why is that important? Because if somebody says, you know, well, what about, you know, James 2? It says, you know, you're not saved by faith. If I just take James 2 by itself, and even then, even then, I don't know how people get there because you could definitely teach it the correct way. But regardless, let's pretend I don't even know that style of study exegetical wise. And I'm like, wow, this does say faith without works is dead and and, and we are justified by works. <laughs> but because we have the rest of the Bible, I have to be able to ask myself, does this, does this, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, not coincide, but does it, does it work? Is it compatible? Is this compatible with the doctrine that we see presented by Paul, for example? And if it's not, I have to ask myself why. Um, and there's a lot of different things that we go through, like we said. Who's it being written to? What's the background on the letter? Um, so it's just something very important that we take into account whenever studying. And again, don't get overwhelmed thinking that you're going to know all that. If you look at an average study Bible, most of them will give you the base information you need um, going into a letter to really at least understand why is the letter being written? Uh, you know, why, why did Paul feel the need to address these people? Like harmonize. Thank you, Selena. It should be able to harmonize. That's the word. So this is why I also recommend good study Bibles. If you're not willing to go out there and get and gather several books, um, study Bibles normally incorporate lots of information for you in one easy to read location. Yeah. And, and, and this is why I say when, when we, when we read the Bible and we come to an understanding and, and that, 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 uh, image is beautiful because when I can make James chapter two, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, harmonize perfectly. I can make them harmonize perfectly. Why? Because Paul is speaking to an audience that are like, what else do we need to do in order to be saved? And he's saying you are saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. There's nothing else you can do. And James is speaking to a, 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 a group of people who claim to be regenerate, who claim that they have the faith in Christ, yet they're watching their neighbors die of starvation. They're literally not lifting a finger to help any of their brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you see the difference in, 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 the, in the cultural context here? Paul is speaking to a bunch of believers trying to earn something. And James is speaking to a bunch of, we believe, and now we're going to sit on the couch. This is literally the context of the two different people, two, two different groups of Christians. So I can't take a passage and go, Oh, I've got a word for someone out there today. And 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 this word is whoever needs to hear this word. I know you out there. And, and I'll whack a scripture on the screen and someone will go past and, and they'll be like, oh man, this word is for me. 
that's not how God speaks. That's not how God speaks. And we've constantly driven this point home. Your convictions, your walk with Christ is your walk with Christ. Your sin's not my sin. Again, I'm here to encourage you and help you and guide you and vice versa. It's, it's not a question of God is speaking to someone today. No, God is not speaking to someone. God speaks to each and every single one of his children through his written word. Hey, speaking of God speaking, um, our biggest fan that made that video, I, I, I clicked on one of his other pages because I was uh, trying to tag him. And I came across, I was like, let me listen to one of his videos. <laughs> no, I did the same, man. It's ridiculous. Oh, I'm bright. I'm bright. What happened? Oh, there it goes. It's the auto adjust. Why are you trying to make <laughs> me live in the shadows? I'm telling you, the room I'm in is bright. Look, I got to get off camera. What y'all trying to say about my face, yo? Are y'all trying to be like, oh, he ugly. Dim the lights. Dang. <laughs> Dang, hold on. <laughs> you got to lean back. Oh. There we go. And there they it goes. Turn auto adjust off. Them. That's hurtful. That hurt my soul. Oh, that, that's, that's, a, that's a deep cut right there, JD. Hey, but, no, but seriously, who am I? Yeah. You, these two are disgusting. That's not, that's not my computer. These two are disgusting yeah. animals. Yeah. And then, and then here's the thing, right? So, so looking at one of the, one of his, like, I went to like four of his other videos and the one video, he's like, no one, listen to this claim. No one interprets Matthew seven correctly. And then he proceeds to give the correct interpretation. So out of all of those scholars who have, who have, who have broken down Matthew chapter seven, that got it completely wrong. Somehow God revealed to him the truth. He's able to give you the correct interpretation. When I looked at the guy's page, um, here's my problem, JD. He was an example of the people on TikTok that make look. There's these people that take Bible stories and try and make them like really like just uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like philosophical, like oh, like in a way that no one's ever heard it, right? So I clicked on one and it was like, what if I told you God stoned somebody? And I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be interesting. And he goes through the story of uh, the woman caught in adultery and tells the whole story. And then that's it, right? It's over at that point. And then he says, God stoned her because Jesus is the cornerstone. And then that was like it. And it's like, what did uh, you teach? And there's people that do this. Uh, they, they do it to because you're like, wow, you always got that person like that video I shared where someone was like, not everything you need is in the Bible. Wow. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. On his actual video, on his actual video, he's got a he's got a lady there that 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 commented, yes, the spirit discerned uh talking about you now, the spirit showed me or discerned me that he was bad news a while back. And then I click on her profile and I go in. The first thing I see on her profile, her she, her, hers. So at what point do Christians uh, buy into this uh, pronoun doctrine? Do Christians have pronouns now? She, her, hers. Uh, <laughs> last I checked, Genesis says God created us in his image, male and female. That's it. You won't find a Christian with pronouns on their page. They don't have pronouns. I mean, the other video he's got on is uh, 
big in red warning praying in tongues so here's my question immediately i was like here's my question right if praying in tongues the way these guys do it today if this is biblical if this is a biblical tongue why are you warning your viewers <laughs> why the warning why warning praying in tongues if this is a complete or, if this is normal behavior for 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 christians or I'm like <laughs> i want to add this if you know it's a stumbling block why do it when you shouldn't be doing it in public in the first place like there's one thing hmm. by if i'm at the church and i'm praying privately and i'm in front of people so that's not my problem if you hit the record button and then pray privately it is 100% your intention to portray yourself praying in tongues on on um on your app just like the guy that goes live talking about yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and here's the thing right he's also <laughs> he's also endorsing he's also endorsing women pastors then he's got a a, a prayer say this prayer for 21 days not 22, not 20, well, but repeat this prayer after me. Yeah, you, you repeat this prayer after me for 21 days. And here's the problem. He prays the prayer. And then from that prayer, he breaks into... I don't like how good JD is at. It makes my skin curl. JD speak that tongues like I might believe in it. Like... Is that something real? Is that the Holy <laughs> Spirit, brother? That thing come out. Of that. Yeah, bro. It's 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 uh the emperor's new groove is what that is. That's like that's like some llama tat, man. That's just like Bow with the bada bang the bang diggy 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 to the boogie up to the boogie. I'm a scat man, ski pa 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 da bop. Ska pa pa da bop, say ski. Yeah, that's for a while. Pretty sure that I'm yeah, blue, dabba dee, ba da da ba da ba dee, da ba da is, uh, is tongues. That's why I never was That's able to understand too, it. Man. Yeah, it's it's it's. Okay. I tell you what, Emily, it's it's. I do it. I do it so well because I did it for for years in the charismatic movement when I was baptized by the Holy Spirit, and this is exactly what 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 they just. What is it, Ross? Just start speaking baby words and say them really fast. <laughs> you have got tongues down pat, baby. <laughs> but guess what? No one can understand it. No interpreter present. Uh, it's a it's, it's a heavenly language. <laughs> it's like vive le français. Come on, man. Come on now. Come on now. Stop. Stop with your. Stop with your. Yeah. Stop with the shenanigans. Stop with the shenanigans. There we go. Mike, Mad Mike has just hit it as well. Shaka, 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 Khan. Shaka, Khan, shaka, Khan. Is that. Uh, what's that part with <laughs> Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura? Shaka. Chicago. Chicago. Shish kebab. Shush. Shish kebab. <laughs> yes Chicago Selena. Oh, out of there. obviously our fun doesn't matter to Selena what question do you have as if this is some type of podcast for answering questions go ahead yeah. you've got our attention Selena hold on the chat window's this way look this way JD 
<laughs> yeah, looking down. Mine is the opposite side. <laughs> I don't know where to look. Waiting on you. Do 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 do. Veronica, again, this is not this is not something, and we joking, but we're not saying that tongues aren't real. We we're saying that the tongue spoken of in the Bible is if if Mike went to Korea on a holiday with Ten Asia and they were walking through the streets and God wanted the gospel to get to someone there, Mike would start speaking fluent Korean and there would be someone who's able to tell Mike what he said. There would be an interpreter to say, "This is what you just said." It's not. It's not the way these guys portray it. This is not tongues. Ramakashaka taroma. That's not tongues. I have spoken in tongues since then. So do I have something inside me, not of God? No, no, Selena. No. When I was the ten, I thought I was is, Batman. Well, I think <laughs> she's saying that she still does. But my question is, the human brain can think anything that we've convinced ourselves mm. of and, and, and mm. the truth is doing that heck i find myself doing it now just because it's fun it's fun to do with uh in the way that we even do it so i can understand why some people believe like they just get this emotion for god and that's the way they've learned to handle taking their emotion and letting it shoot out of their lips in this randomness um i don't know exactly what you experience or what you do or what you're saying Oh, wait, there's another one. There's another comment. There was more than one. Also, <laughs> Lena, let me add this. There is a private tongue, right? There is. We see it in the Bible, but it's 100% private. So if you're talking about something that's between you and God in private, I really, that's between you and God. However, that's not what we're talking about, um, as you know yeah. already. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there we go. Oh, we are all in the camera. Um, someone said, are we supposed to be in the word of God by now? Well, we're ending the show. We only have five minutes left. I asked myself, how do I remember that same language wording since I was 10? So you use the same words or the same language or what, what exactly you know what you're saying? She, she must be behind us and that happens sometimes on tiktok so it'd take her a second but before we head out of here not tiktok youtube before we head out of here uh do you have anything for them jd yeah um i hope everybody that's uh, in the chat is saved but if there is someone that is in the chat that's not saved um please uh the time is urgent believe the gospel Believe our Christ died for your sins, that he was buried and rose again on the third day. Because uh, what we see happening on the, on the global scene today, uh, the earthquakes, the pestilence, the, the persecution of Christians and nations um, that are not as forthcoming as ours where we live, um, the times are really hard out there. And um, the more people we have preaching the gospel, believing the gospel, uh, the quicker we see the return of Jesus Christ. So if there is anyone that is, is still on the fence, um, and I know we like to joke and we have a lot of fun on this podcast, which is never going to end, but 
the ultimate goal for Mike and I is to see people saved and believe the gospel. This is about Christ. This is about bringing people the truth of what the Bible actually says and not, not for vainglory, not to get clicks and follows and money or whatever the case may be. The, the urgency is on the gospel. So again, if there's anyone in the chat, if you've, if you've listened to this, you, you don't have to come forward. Um, we've got an entire playlist of, 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 preaching on various different things, reading scripture, various different times, going through entire books of the Bible. So I encourage you, if you are there watching, to please, please do your due diligence. Read the scriptures and, and open up your heart. Be like the Bereans. Be willing to accept the good news of Jesus Christ. Because if you are not willing to accept it, um, your eternity depends on it. So that's that's all I want to say. And um, I love you all, as always. Can't wait to be back on Wednesday. Love the podcast. Love all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and I can't wait to see you guys on Wednesday. JD, do you want to pray us out? I know some people that sound like they need some prayers today. So um, I figured they Amen. could use some JD prayers. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet another successful podcast. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercies, which are new every single day, Lord. Each and every single one of our brothers and sisters are going through various trials. They're all dealing with, with family members who aren't saved. They're all dealing with issues within their own lives. They're all dealing with health and money issues. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that your, your grace knows no bounds and that you are always abounding. Lord, I pray for each and every single person that heard the words of the gospel tonight, that they will penetrate and that they will regenerate those hearts lord i pray for your protection and over all of us and that we may continue to do this for as long as your will is upon this podcast in jesus name we pray amen and amen i love you all amen and uh all right guys yeah uh, we appreciate you guys being here make sure you hit the like subscribe if we could keep going beyond our time limit we would we see the questions we want to keep going but we have to stick to the timeline and that means it's time for us to go so for y'all that will see me on TikTok tonight, I'll see you there. And for the rest of you, I'll see you on Monday. And we will get you a Bible reading. We will. We promise. But until then, God bless and go in peace.